Just while we're on the Amy Kane speech, a shout out to Father Bumfluff. <laughs> Oish, Christ, they do lay it on thick, don't they? Yeah, they definitely do. Um, <laughs> now, Adam, do you know what the plural of crows is? Is it a parliament of crows? <laughs> it's a murder of crows. Of course it is. What's it a parliament of? Owls. I think it might be a parliament of owls. And just side note, my other favourite one of these is it's a flamboyance of flamingos. This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Woman in the Wall, episode three, Knock Knock, and episode four, The Cruelty Man. My name's Adam Henning, and she once punched a police horse in the face. Why? Well, she didn't realise it was off duty. It's Grace Chapman. Oh, you're about as subtle as a brick through a window. <laughs> so, spoilers ahead for episodes three and four of The Woman in the Wall. Neither of us have watched beyond that. And we can't, can we? Because it comes out weekly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's imagine, like, you know, one day, Adam, the dream is that we'd be on some of those pre-lists for watching things. That is yeah. the dream, isn't it? Absolutely is the dream, to get advanced screenings of stuff. Although quite often those things come without the full CGI stuff on there. So for some shows, not necessarily this one, I'm not sure it'd be as enjoyable an experience. Well, we don't want it then, do we? No, not at all. We wait patiently with everyone else. Yeah. So Catherine's struggling with the fact that this comes out weekly. She's like desperate for the next episode as soon as she's watched it. And I am very much voraciously devouring these as soon as they come out. But you've been you've you've saved them up, haven't you, and watched two at once? Yes, yeah. I watched them in pairs um, because I don't trust my memory if I leave it like a week and then have to chat about it because my notes won't make any sense. These last two I have absolutely loved. I think some of my reservations for episodes one and two of of like the slight identity crisis this show was having have completely disappeared. I'm I'm so comfortable in the genre, whatever we want to call it. Someone said it was like a gothic thriller, but then I thought, well, what about the kind of quirky cop drama <laughs> element? <laughs> I don't know what you'd call this show, but I, I'm loving where it's sitting. It's definitely not a comedy. So I think thriller is the right end word. But I think quirky... I don't think you put comedy in there anyway. I think it's a quirky... Yeah, mate, I'd go with gothic thriller. Let's go quirky gothic thriller. Yeah, nice. Brilliant. Just brilliant. And kudos to the, the makers and the writers, because that's not something I've seen before, and it definitely works. The way that they've paced this series is really, really strong. Yeah, definitely. And what I'm really enjoying, I think, are the moments where they're using the parallel storytelling technique. So we have... Coleman and Lorna doing similar things at similar times and cutting between the two of them doing it, which is really satisfying, I think. Yeah, both of them going rogue was probably the most satisfying storytelling pivot, I think, for for the series. I've, I've absolutely loved that too. And then obviously, you know, we'll talk about the end of episode four, but yeah, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. Grand. Well, we start episode three with Clements in the coffin, R.I.P. Clements, mm-hmm. and Lorna gets a flashback to them being pregnant and talking about whether they want a girl or a boy. And one of them says, "Boys get to do whatever they like." Yeah, I thought that was quite a devastating sentence. 
and follows very naturally from where we left her in episode two, which was in that Wailing Woman's house, wasn't it? So that was a really nice sort of connection to the previous episode. And she takes the rosary away, which I thought was such a a kind of early Lorna protest that just grew and grew and grew over these two episodes. We definitely get that relationship with God coming up strong later on. Meanwhile, Coleman's having a dream about being chased again. And we learn much more about this over the two episodes. So he's being chased by an old man. And in this particular flashback, we see Father Percy at the other end of the tunnel. Right. I mean, I've la- I've labelled this man a uh, clanking priest. Clanking priest. <laughs> yes, cool. he's sort of clanking down the tunnel, isn't he? With, I mean, he's creepy as fuck. <laughs> but clank, he's clanking. Yeah. And he's, um, well, we learn later in episode four that he, that he called him the cruelty man. Mm. So he has a conversation with his mum, doesn't he? Where she sort of says, oh, you had the same dream when you were a child. And you used to call him the cruelty man, which leads him onto a whole other line of questioning with his mum. And actually, uh, in the credits, there is someone um, whose role is the cruelty man in the credits. Pretty sure we're going to find out a little bit more about that. In the final yeah. two I don't think we've got quite we understand a lot of where Coleman's sort of flashbacks are sort of rooted but I don't think we know the details of how he was necessarily treated maybe clanking priest cruelty man was the guy who would come and take him to the the room that we we'll learn about in episode four yeah the reject room isn't it yeah all very very grim I think it is interesting that these are like repressed memories for him, that he doesn't remember the fact that he had these dreams as a child, that a lot of what happened to him, he's kind of rediscovering is a really fascinating thing to watch unfold. Mm -hmm. He thinks he's convinced, though, in this episode that Lorna Brady is the woman, the other woman in the car, and he comes into conflict with Massey. Massey tells him not to come to the funeral. He doesn't want him upsetting things. And it seems that the Clements' death isn't being treated as suspicious in any way. Yeah, that that's interesting, isn't it? I mean, we get a conversation later on with Amy Kane where she says that everyone's calling it a heart attack when they all know differently. But I assume what they think they know is that it's suicide. Yeah, she says maybe we'll all have heart attacks when she's sort of having that speech in, in the pub. It, it must be suicide. I know last week we were speaking about whether someone had killed her in order to cover up. But then I think, I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's pretty clear that it was a suicide. And that's her brother, isn't it? I always thought that was her partner. No, it's definitely her brother, her brother David, isn't it? I, I still think there's possibility that it, it's a murder. Yeah. But the whole, you know, the whole Amy Kane saying they all know differently did bring to mind the knowing and knowing line that we talked about last time round. But yeah. I, I haven't let go of the idea that possibly she was also murdered. But yeah. I mean, look, this show delivers so many discoveries, doesn't it, in its plots? It's always like so, you know, there's, there's this always an element of I'm not I'm not 100% sure on anything until I, I really feel strongly that it's true. <laughs> yeah. But just while we're on the Amy Kane speech, a shout out to Father Bumfluff. <laughs> <laughs> I can't exactly remember who Father Bumfluff was, but I just absolutely love that. She's got a lovely line where she says, you know, she's agitated because Father Bumfluff said that Clements was survived only by her brother David, not by her child. 
And it is this, again, sweeping under the carpet of all of this stuff. Initially, David blames Lorna, tells her she's responsible for it happening. But I think when Lorna stands up to Amy, clearly burning a bridge with Amy, then David asks her to walk him home. He says, you did this, didn't he, at the coffin? And that was really good because for viewers, you know, we don't know if she didn't do it. I, I was always, you know, I never thought that she would kill Clements, but, you know, with, with her sleepwalking, you just never know for sure, do you? And at this point, we didn't know that Aoife wasn't in the wall. So there was all those kind of questions of her murderous streak. And But the you did this from him possibly was linked to Lorna bringing everything up again yeah. with Clements. When previously in those first two episodes, when she's trying to talk to Clements, David is always around and there and saying stop he basically doesn't want the past being dragged up for clements possibly because he knew she was in a fragile way yeah yeah and then we also at the funeral see well what i thought was blood on her neck when i first saw it but then it's sort of then i thought is it like welts what's going this is the first time we see that isn't it at the funeral yeah is it on her wrists i thought it was on her wrists she's also got it on her neck has she so then I was like, oh, God, like, where's that blood come from? You know, there were so many questions. We get this bit from Father Bumfluff has his speech. Suffering is penance. Suffering is sent to test us. God makes those he loves best suffer the most. Oh, Christ, they do lay it on thick, don't they? Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, <laughs> it's horrendous stuff. But during that funeral procession, we see a lot of missing Aoife Cassidy posters. Um, and then Lorna sees her for the first time. I think she sees her about three or four times during this episode, doesn't she? Yeah, she sees her, but it's always kind of mixed with this younger woman who I initially thought was a young Aoife, the young the young nun that we had from the flashback, because she sort of often melds the, the, the women of the now with the women of the past. But yeah, she sees the posters have their sort of eyes moving, which I really enjoyed. Uh, it was a really nice touch. And then we get, I think it was eight to ten fucks from Lorna (laughs) (laughs) now this is the first bit I'm going to need a bit of help reminding on but it's Michael isn't it who buys her a drink which she sort of downs in one and then for some reason he tells her that in the army sometimes they rub chilies in their eyes yes because she's talking about how she just needs to sleep she hasn't had a nap at this point and he's like well why don't you and she's like well I do I do weird stuff (laughs) (laughs) And then he says about that, about the chilies in his eyes, which obviously we get a bit of payoff for later on. Yeah, that's, so it's to keep her awake so she doesn't fall asleep and do weird things again. Correct. And she also does some coke from Amy Kane, gives her a line of coke. Yeah, Amy Kane's, Amy Kane's racking up in the in the community centre loose. <laughs> As you do. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, Amy Kane. I, w- I wonder what's going to happen because we don't see her much in episode four. So I wonder how she'll kind of fit back in with the story. But she dobs Lorna in, doesn't she? Because Lorna shouts at her saying, you know, why don't you go ahead and have a heart attack and do us all a favour? Why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself, Amy Kane? So yeah, you're going to lose you're going to lose a friend there, aren't you? Yeah, it's not the best way of, you know, when someone's got a secret about you, (laughs) encouraging them to keep that. And of course, the very next scene is her telling Coleman what she saw. I do wonder whether that's Amy Kane's role in in the show, sort of done and dusted. I'm sure we will see her again. I don't know. As a suspect, I think she's sort of low down on my list. 
Yeah, I think suspect wise, but I'm I'm quite keen. My dream for this show, which is maybe not the show we're watching, but is that the women come together at the end and continue to piece everything together. I would love for her to bring the women along with her and Coleman. I just think that would be nice, but I appreciate the show I'm watching isn't like a, come on, girls, let's go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Neve is, so this is interesting, right? Because Neve, she's conducting an unofficial meeting with the chap from Edrum. And he tells them that they need to wait and see. And that was my first kind of alarm bell from this Edrum chap, because I think it's in episode four, so we're jumping around a little bit here, but Neve goes back to him. She's spoken to Lorna, hasn't she, later on? And she wants help with something. I'll help you out here, Adam. <laughs> episode four, Neve goes to Lorna's house and we get the great line of, are you real? Which I loved. And she, Lorna tells her uh, that her daughter, I think, has died. And then Neve says, well, why don't we tell the solicitor guy about that? But like you... Oh, it's a shame because I really want to trust him and like him and hope that he has the women's best interests at heart. But I think the more that you watch this show, the more you realise that sort of the tendrils of of the systemic abuse travels very deep and very wide and very, like, decades long. Lorna's trying to find the, the grave of her dead daughter. That's her mission in episode four, isn't it, really? But he says he's hopeful of recognition coming. They're fickle and I'd hate to undo the good work. It just feels like he's coming up with excuses and, and fobbing her off a bit. Yeah, I'm concerned. This is why I want them all to go rogue. Yeah, I wonder whether he is, the dark extrapolation of all of that is that he is, you know, getting the information from these women of what they know, but he knows there's no way that they're going to get any, going to get anywhere. But it's kind of finding out what they're saying and that sort of stuff. I feel like he's connected and doesn't want them to find stuff out. Yeah, I, f I fear you may be right there. Grand. Should we talk about sort of the end of episode three, really, which is that a really lovely moment where Lorna discovers that Clements, well, sees Clem picture of Clements's daughter. Yes. I thought that was so beautiful because at first she thinks it's Clements. She's like, oh, look at lovely Clements. This is at the end of the funeral when she's walked the brother home. And he says, no, it's her daughter. And I just... It must have such mixed feelings for Lorna because she must be sort of so happy for Clements, obviously not being dead, but happy that Clements's daughter is a lot, you know, alive and well, and but also this like real pain of her own and hope that that she'll have the same picture of. Oh, that's it. She she wonders if the other two girls are hers. Yeah. He can't. He can't really tell her. She must be looking for like physical character. I mean, just this like one bit of paper is such a like moment of hope for her I just thought that was really beautiful and I have to say you know Ruth Wilson in these two episodes you know me and you are Ruth Wilson fans but like these two episodes she was like stunning yeah definitely uh David got that photo from a nun or Clements got it from a nun which we assume is Aoife Cassidy yes Ruth, it's leading us to believe that Aoife arrived went to see Clements which was tallies with what Dara said that she last he knew she was going to see Clements that actually happened and then whatever happened with Eva afterwards we don't know and I've got that wrong that is totally not the end of the episode that's like 10 minutes in but the reason I thought it was wrong because I've written in capital letters what normally I would say is the next episode like episode four on my notes but instead the capital letters go Tabasco in the eye 
yeah. fuck shit ass. <laughs> is that what you wrote? Uh, that's what she says, I think. But yeah, that's what I wrote down. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty brutal. But yeah, so she's gone to the police station, hasn't she? As she's been invited by Coleman. Michael stood up to Coleman, I think, in the bar, and then Massey came over and smoothed it all over. He's basically showing her the poster of Aoife. Uh, he's being quite aggressive, Coleman, in his questioning. But he reveals that Aoife had a daughter who is on her way down, and that Aoife's husband is in prison. Yes. I've confused myself now. <laughs> Aoife's husband's Dara, right? Ardlo yeah. Hannah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Lorna gives a wonderful line, some people go missing and nobody gives a fuck. I love that line. Before she starts bleeding from her eyes. You know, she do. Also, I think, I mean, I, I, I had every intention of looking this up before this podcast recording, but I think there is a lot of religious imagery in statues and paintings of people crying or bleeding from the eyes. So I think that was a really clear visual choice by the director and the writer there. Yeah, isn't it quite often used in sort of either horror or religious, particularly religious horror sort of films and stuff where you have a statue of the Virgin Mary and you know it's, it's crying or there's blood coming out of it somewhere. Or Jesus yeah. Christ, you know, that sort yeah. of stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. She gets another vision of Aoife, which nearly leads to her getting run over. <laughs> and then Matt, I've got, I've got some lines written down for Massey. And I think this is this in conversation with Coleman possibly but he says people would rather their daughters were murdered than got pregnant and I think Massey's character in these two episodes was really interesting because we were starting to get a sense that he was becoming I don't want he was becoming a little bit defensive of some of the choices that were made in the past he wasn't like obviously he's not on board with them he's not but he, he he sometimes reacted a little bit like well you have to understand they didn't have any other choice it was that kind of energy coming out. And I was like, huh, this is interesting. And we obviously find out in episode four a little bit more of where that might be coming from for him. Yeah, he's the most conflicted. Well, not the most conflicted. I think there's conflict all over the place. But he is emotionally conflicted by all of this. He's got this sleepy little village and his job has been maintaining the peace there. Not upsetting the apple cart and not upsetting Lorna Brady or doing all of this stuff. But also, I think he does feel the need to, to get the answers as well. Yeah, definitely. I love all of that. I think that's really great. But then we get this, we, we're back at Lorna's house, aren't we, with um, Michael. And we get this lovely, lovely bit of dialogue uh, where she's like, will you will you watch me when I sleep? I do stuff. <laughs> and he's like, well, that'll be a bit creepy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. I think he's, well, Here's my thing with Michael, right? And st still, we get throughout this thing with Lorna not really knowing what's real or not, and neither do we. Michael would have been at the pub. He was at the pub when she passed out. So surely he knows something about what happened to her afterwards. Did he just take her back? Like, Aoife, you know, the whole ether thing. He doesn't mention the wall at all when he's there. Yeah. Uh, I just don't trust him. Oh, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. He must have seen stuff that he's, oh yeah, I oh, can't trust anyone. Because we, we have this whole Seamus Finnegan thing, right? I know I'm jumping, no, Seamus Flanagan, sorry, apologies, Seamus. He's the cab driver, is that right? And is he the one that punched a police horse in the face? <laughs> I I think so. I can't remember now. 
but I just love that all of that so much but yeah I think he basically picks up Aoife well he he says Aoife and Lorna got in his car and he dropped them off at Lorna's house yeah so what happened in the house we don't know right but Michael would have been at the pub when they got picked up in the cab and could have been in the cab but then my Seamus Flanagan Flannery would have would have said that wouldn't he I'm wondering whether Michael could have taken her to Aoife and then they got the cab to the house. But I'm sure it will all come good. Michael <laughs> inevitably falls asleep when he should be watching her sleep. And she's spookily standing by the kitchen sink, cutting up Breeder's photo, which was kind of reminiscent of like the lace, cutting the lace and stuff as well, right? Again, I don't know whether we're going to get more of this sort of scissors action, whether there's a mm-hmm. flashback that pertains to all of that. Like, we related it to her having the baby cut away from her. But he gets slashed with the scissors accidentally while she's asleep and then wakes her by throwing water in her face. Meanwhile, Coleman's visiting Ardell O'Hannon in jail and he's learning about the House of the Sacred Shepherd, which was an adoption agency. And that was who Aoife was afraid of. Yes, that's pieced together very well, Adam. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, let's follow, let's follow that through. So then later on, he finds a newspaper article about the House of the Sacred Shepherd and then they find out that it closed in 1979 so the timeline doesn't work and then in episode four that all gets debunked as well so it looks like the House of the Sacred Shepherd initially was a legit adoption agency and then at some point in later times it became an underground or a illegitimate adoption agency. Yeah illegal adoptions we're looking at you know hundreds and hundreds of them so extremely dodgy. Yeah, that th- this was where I got a little because then there was also the introduction of Lazarus House. I was I was confused about all I would say all of the religious institutions that we had on our plate at this point. Yeah. But I think I understand it. That's sort of the end of Coleman's storyline in episode three, isn't it? That he starts to sort of find out about this house of the sacred shepherd. Whereas with Lorna. She's left on her own in the house. And then we have this really lovely bit where she thinks Aoife's outside. And there's all those lovely, gorgeous visuals of the water on the concrete patch and the orange light from the lamp outside. And it's all very creepy. And she opens the door and it's a young woman who is claiming to be Aoife's daughter. Yes, Olivia. She explains that Aoife needed evidence before uh, this journalist would publish what she had. And that's why Aoife had come back. That was what she was doing. Lorna somehow pieces together the hogweed burns and remembering that Aoife had the same thing and that she got those from the Wailing Woman's house. So she then logs that and decides that's where Aoife may well have stored the evidence that she'd collected. And this is also where we find out that Dara, Dara is not Aoife's husband. Unless Aoife remarried, because the daughter says her dad is still in Dublin waiting to hear news. Now, that's why Lorna knows that Olivia is lying and not really Aoife's daughter. Right. That's where that happens, I see. So Dara is Aoife's husband. He's the genuine article. Olivia is not really Aoife's daughter. That moment of Coleman saying to her in the police station... Her daughter's on her way, so she's expecting her daughter to arrive. Her husband is in prison. And then Olivia says, oh, my dad's still in Dublin. 
whereas Lorna knows he's not, he's in prison. So Olivia's, you know, walked into a bit of a trap there herself. I see, I see. And then we get an age-old classic, creaky floorboard. Yeah, (laughs) perfect. And this is all cut in, there's this sort of dual, this is the first parallel, right? There's dual discoveries happening. So Coleman breaks into Lorna's as they're breaking into the Wailing Woman's house. Lorna then escapes from Olivia and she finds the stuff, the bag, which has got a death certificate showing that her daughter Agnes died at 13 months from two days of shivering. Oh, it was horrible, wasn't it? I also enjoyed, I think it it put condition of the mother, spinster, which, uh, shout out to the spinsters. (laughs) This was brutal because she was going through all of the different packages and then, you know, you think, oh, she's not going to find her name. And then she found it. You're like, oh, maybe there'll be a picture in there of her daughter. And instead, it's the death certificate. And my heart just like, oh, it was really heartbreaking. And then we get that absolutely gorgeous shot of the light slowly going out just behind the car that I just thought was like really subtle, really beautiful storytelling. And then she gets home from that discovery and she sees a whole load of crows. Now, Adam, do you know what the plural of crows is? Is it a parliament of crows? <laughs> it's a murder of crows. Of course it is. What's it a parliament of? Owls. I think it might be a parliament of owls. And just side note, my other favourite one of these is it's a flamboyance of flamingos. <laughs> That's lovely. <laughs> anyway, real tangent there. <laughs> No, that's great. I, I wrote down Crow's warning, Lorna. I've also written Coleman finds a letter. That's his sort of discovery. And I can't really remember what that was all about. No, I don't remember him finding a letter. Oh, no, he goes into the her like shabby wooden box, doesn't he? And he finds various, he finds a, a newspaper cutting of, you know, the women of the Magdalene Laundries trying to get justice. So right. that, that's what he's sort of rifling through. Then he kind of confronts her on all the lies that he feels like that she's told him. You know, you were lying. You were there with the fire. You were lying. He doesn't think Eva Cassidy walked away with her baby, which I thought was a bit mean because he had just found all that stuff. But anyway, and then we get this banging on the wall waltzer. Yeah. I mean, just before that, when when she gets back in and, and sees Coleman's there, she's just like, do you want tea? Oh, I mean, she's done. She is done. After that death certificate, she's like, I feel like she becomes quite fearless after that death certificate. Like, she's got nothing to lose. There's a policeman in a house. Fuck it, do you want a cup of tea? Like, I can't be bothered. Yeah, I think at that stage, nothing really matters to her anymore. And it's later on that she decides that she needs to find the grave. She still wants some closure on this. That's her only way of going about it. But at this point, it's like, yeah, she's empty. Um, neither of them have got any friends either. But yeah, Coleman's theory is that Aoife killed Father Percy, fled in the car and wanted Lorna to look after her and that Lorna then killed Aoife. I mean, a lot of his theory, you know, I didn't think really stood up as we really knew the truth. But I do think there's an argument for Aoife having killed Father Percy. I think that's still up for grabs. Yes. Well, Lorna hears the banging, as you said. Coleman doesn't hear it. She confesses it, loses it and smashes the wall open. Only the body's not there, Grace! <laughs> we also we both suspected it, it was it wasn't there. Yes, we both suspected that she wasn't going to be in there. So where do you think she is? God knows. I mean, we know that 
she came back well we think she came back in the car we don't know that actually we know that she met with clements and we know that she met with lorna and got in the cab and went to lorna's house and that's all we know right yeah she's she, all we know is she went to lorna's house thanks to seamus flanagan but we don't know anything else so i don't know i i really love that she's still i mean she's she's still at large because i think she she really has the answers doesn't she do you think it's possible that Lorna did kill her and did bury her in the wall, but that somebody then came and took her out from behind the wall. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's possible. Okay, good. I'd say improbable, but possible. Yeah. Fair enough. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this brings us into episode four, The Cruelty Man. And it picks up straight afterwards. So Lorna's saying she's gone. The police are taking the axe as evidence that she used to break the wall down. Coleman's in trouble because he broke into her house, right? And he tells Massey that she confessed. And he, he says, was that before or after she went looking for people in the walls? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Lorna's, I would say, simultaneously very confused and very relieved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, even when Neve turns up and says, you know, you said you killed someone or they said you killed someone or you said you'd killed someone. And anyway, you know, she's, she's just, I don't know. I don't know what what I did or what I didn't do. So Massey's sending Carmen back to Dublin, but then has a confrontation with Lorna where she tells him about the woman pretending to be Aoife's daughter. And he says, I'm a bit sceptical. And she's like, well, what use are you then? He hasn't done anything with that information yet. No. I mean, obviously, towards the end of the episode, he gets another sort of, they have another confrontation, don't they, where she's like, you know, here's here's a number of missing persons for you. What are you going to do about this? And she goes to see Father Bumfluff. Is that right? Yes. Is that Father Bumfluff? I think so. The guy who did the original service for Clements. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, And we get a really great scene about God, really, and how initially there's this huge sort of, I think it's a, a, a religious statue that Lorna just can't even really look at. And actually, yeah, like religious imagery must just be horrible for her to be around. And then he says, you know, he kind of wants to reach out to her, doesn't he, and say, don't lose faith after what they say you went through. So he kind of backtracks again. And then we get that gorgeous, gorgeous line of her about don't worry about me and God. I never met the man. None of us did. Yeah, really brilliant. She's trying to find the burial records for Agnes. So that's why she's at the graveyard in the first place. He can't find it in their records, their parish records. He tells her to try the county archives. And that's when he says, don't lose faith. He's kind of meaning, don't give up hope of finding out the truth. But she obviously takes that as, you know, her religious faith. And we also get this story about she relates that Amy Kane told her when a baby was born sick, the nuns would put the baby in a room and just wait. And she called it the dying room. I never believed her, but I do now. Because her, her baby died from shivering. And she's taking that story from Amy Kane, and that's what she believes is what happened to her daughter. Get to county records, and there's still no record there of her, her burial. There's a, you know, there's a lovely computer says no. <laughs> a standoff with this guy uh, Lorna sees Clements and then she gets into the archive room once everyone else has gone home and steals all of the records brilliantly I absolutely loved this 
I loved Lorna's like episode four is like Lorna's just fuck it attitude. It just grew and grew and grew, didn't it? I really I thought it was great. You know, Clement's saying, you're not going to you're not going to put up with that, are you? She's like, no, I'm not. And then yeah, her stealing the archives is like rolling this trolley down the corridor, like busting through a through a door, the alarm going off and her just sort of carrying on. <laughs> yeah. And she gets that trolley all the way home, doesn't she? And uh, they probably still haven't turned up to switch the alarm off. Yeah. Meanwhile, Coleman's doing his own investigations, right? Again, we've got these parallel investigations going on. He's back at Blackrock. He's been sent back to Blackrock, Dublin. He goes to Father Percy's house. There's this sense of, of neither Coleman nor Lorna being able to let it go, right? They both have this restlessness about them. He gets a flashback to Father Percy giving him champagne on becoming a detective and him telling him that he wants to find his birth mother. And again, Father Percy, similarly to James Coyle, deflecting and fobbing him off and trying to persuade him that it's not the thing to do. In fact, he's throwing shade on his birth mother and saying, you know, would she have given him a good life? Is that the whole basis of their argument? But yeah, he also claims that he never went to Lazarus' house. And then in present day, Coleman finds a Lazarus' house book amongst Father Percy's belongings. So yeah, he's then going down the this route of finding out more about Father Percy. Is this also the point where we see the missing landline? Yeah, it's intercoupled with these things with Lorna, but in the next Coleman scene, there's a guy there with him that is also investigating this this case. They talk about finding rabbit hairs. They talk about there being lots of evidence of DNA from different people. Lots of different people went through there. And there was more blood splatter. And then also, Coleman then finds the fact that there was there used to be a phone there and now it's not in evidence, it's not in the house. It's just a place where it used to be. Yes. I reckon that rabbit thing is going to come back, you know, unless it's a red herring. Maybe Aoife works at a rabbit yeah. farm. Yeah, and that sort of lots of people in and out. I wonder whether that is, I don't know, something to do with the adoption stuff, maybe. There's no way that Father Percy is not connected to the secret shepherds, or whatever they're called. <laughs> House of the Sacred Shepherds. I can never remember it either. I just put shepherd's thingy thing, which actually <laughs> just doesn't sound good. But yeah, we're intercutting with the scenes of Lorna, as you say, and it's really heartbreaking because she's, bas- she's basically having a funeral, isn't she, for her daughter and putting a a birthday card, a first birthday card that she did up, which kind of really brought home well at this point we we believe the daughter is dead really brought home the fact that these women these girls were just not told anything about their babies so you know she just thought that her daughter was still alive yeah that first birthday card was really powerful i thought yeah she's building that shrine isn't she and then michael shows up well no no he doesn't she sees the blue bag on the table she opens all of the other envelopes and they're all death certificates. And this is intercut with Coleman looking into Lazarus' house and finding out the information about Bishop Brendan Rice. Let's stick with Lorna and we'll come back to Coleman. <laughs> but she calls Michael who comes around. There's nearly 300 children who died, these death certificates. And she wants Michael to help her look through the records to see if any of the other others are missing. And they find three. Mm. The will you help me from Lorna was... Probably the most vulnerable that we've seen her. And I thought, again, Ruth Wilson was just perfect. Oh, my goodness. The shot from the one candle to the 298 candles was beautiful. 
but she's seriously in danger of burning that house down. Honestly, Adam, my heart was in my mouth. I thought those flames are perilously close to that dry wallpaper, that birthday card. Honestly, I, mean, I was, I was who, a bit stressed, to be honest. Who has that many candles in the house? Irish people. <laughs> the only time we had that many candles was after a trip to Ikea, but they were the tiny little tea lights. <laughs> yeah, it, it was a hell of a lot, wasn't it? I yeah. can picture Michael just being like, oh, we're, oh, we're going to light for every, every... I bet it was hot in there as well. Yeah. We're not comfortable, were they? But Michael suggests that she goes to the guards and then gets the fuck out of this place. So he's kind of trying to get her to drop it as well. She thinks that the bodies are all at a mass grave at the convent. She's convinced that they must still be there. So that leads her then to go down to the convent, banging on Sister Eileen's door. And fuck off Eileen. Fuck off Eileen. Yeah. I mean, really, really fuck off Eileen. I've got it written in block capitals. This woman would not be out of place standing next to Darth Vader in a Star Wars. Like, <laughs> she is vile, horrible. Oh, she is. And I thought Lorna was so brave. My goodness me. I wonder as well if this was the first time she'd gone back to the convent since she left, because she was walking through what used to be the laundry. And I just, I thought, oh my God, Lorna, you are being so incredibly brave right now. That was my main thought about her. But fuck off, Eileen, man. She is the most manipulative, haggard old woman. Ugh. Yeah, it's the guilt and the kind of re-oppression years later. You know, that mental manipulation. It's just the most evil thing, I think. She's traumatised her in the past as a child and is still doing it. Yeah, she just clicks right back into it, doesn't she? Yeah. No, no problem at all. I mean, Lorna says, maybe you ought to be scared of me. And that's like Eileen then goes goes hell for leather, doesn't she? Doesn't she? She says, you couldn't even recognise your own child. We wanted you to be together, but it was an impossibility. You failed your child at the end. Yeah, it's really horrible stuff. But she calls Massey and says, I'm afraid she's back. He turns up and takes her back to the station. He Basically, he wants to give her a cup of tea, send her home and pretend none of it ever happened. Like Massey's sin is definitely pushing these things under the rug. Classic Massey. <laughs> now, I've said this so many times in these two episodes. I love this scene, but I, I did. I think I think Lorna saying, Clements told me you, you gave her a cup of tea once. And I was like, here we go. Yeah. Here's the root of what Massey has been, like you say, covering up that kind of slightly defensive energy. Yeah, and then and then he, you know, the, the story is that Clements got out and walked barefoot back to the town. And Massey picked her up gave her a cup of tea and drove her straight on back. Oh, no, it was at the train station, wasn't it? She made it all the way to the train station. And then she says, would you like to know what Sister Eileen did to her for running away? Yeah, really horrible. He says he, says he doesn't want to hear any more. What else could he do? I did everything in my power. And then she spits back at him. You gave her a mug of tea. I know. Amazing. But he, his face, it's all that bottom lip. Yeah. Well, she hands him the list of 298 children, right? And that's when his lip his lip goes and he realises the sort of scale of it all. Yeah. And his role in that, I think. And I, I'm looking forward, I hope, the, the next few episodes that Massey comes good and starts doing, you know, the detective police work decades 
late, but welcome all the same. Yeah, and then in the meantime, obviously, Coleman has fallen into a crypt? Yes, yeah. So he's gone to Lazarus' house. He's broken in there. He's Before that, he goes to see Bishop Brendan Rice, right? He finds a photo of him with Father Percy and the murder weapon, I think, isn't it? That trophy, medal, award that he's being given, is that not what he gets beaten with? Oh, I hadn't spotted that, but yeah. I've got a feeling. I didn't go back and check, but I think that's what that was. So then he goes to see rice on a pretense of a memorial for father percy and rice also says he can't remember father percy being at lazarus house so immediately knows that he's lying pushes him on the sacred shepherd and rice calls him an ungrateful boy before calling coleman super and claiming that he was discriminating coleman was discriminating against rice <laughs> yeah ridiculous and then coleman comes coleman snaps doesn't he and basically says they call you and tell me to stop and I stop and nothing happens. So I feel like maybe either he's kind of got an interest in cases like this before and has been stopped or he just expected this and it's happened. He basically just goes rogue from now on, doesn't he? Yeah, you, you definitely get the sense that Coleman has been in trouble with his supervisor before and that the, the guy at uh, Father Percy's house says, oh, the super sent me to keep an eye on you. But yeah, he's basically... You know, he's been told to take some leave, so he is kind of free now to, to go rogue and do whatever he needs to do. He doesn't have to clock in anymore. He breaks into Lazarus' house. She's banging on Sister Eileen's door. Again, the parallels are like running side by side. But he goes through, falls down into the tunnel. I thought at first he'd fallen into a mass grave. Yeah, I mean, because that, all of that conversation was happening at the same time, right? Yeah, but no, it's the tunnel from his dreams with Cruelty Man. So... He obviously kind of goes back to that place again and is, is chased by his past down the tunnel. And this is him realising that it's it's a repressed memory and not a dream. You know, he has a memory of this happening to him. So it was real. And that, again, leads him then on to interrogating his mum, finding out sort of the, the background story. And she reveals about the reject room, which is where they put non-white children, disabled children, traveller children kids that nobody wanted and she then reveals his mother's name Catherine Ivers and that's that's it for him no that he then goes back to Lorna's house right yeah big reveal here so he goes to the archives first and he gets taken there and he shows his badge and gets let through and he finds a bit of paper but we don't see what the paper says we just see his face and I was like oh god his mum's dead you know, at first I thought when we had the name of Catherine Ivers, I was like, oh, it'd be really nice if this show ended with him finding his birth mother. And then I thought, oh, she's going to be dead. And then he goes to Lorna's and it's the amazing reveal that it was his death certificate. <gasps> yeah, I mean, I had suspected, like when we had the 298 death certificates and, you know, we've also been talking about this adoption agency and legal adoptions. So I already had it in my mind that rather than a mass grave, maybe, hopefully, most of these kids had instead been sold off rather than killed. And that these are all forged death certificates that are meant to sort of, yeah, somewhere somewhere along the line there's someone forging death and presumably new birth certificates. Yeah. 
So there must be a whole pile of burst because somewhere under a creaky floorboard as well. Now they'll be in legit things, won't they? But yeah, I, I just love this. And then Lorna, Lorna's line of, uh, again, like the fact she's never quite sure what she's seeing. She's like, but you're alive, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> There's a little exchange of you look well and do I fuck when they first <laughs> see each other. Uh, and this laugh at the end, oh my God, this laugh, it was a bit, it was a bit, wasn't it? A bit what? A bit nuts. <laughs> yeah, but this is Lorna Brady, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be like a huge, I mean, she's spent the whole episode searching for her daughter's grave and convinced that her daughter is dead. To then find out that that might not be the case, the sort of relief that and, and the kind of renewed hope that she gets from that is is brilliant, but it's quite a laugh. <laughs> It is. It, it was. And Ruth Wilson's got uh, just that face that kind of just ignites when she laughs. I, I also just thought, she just thought, this is hysterical. This is absolutely hysterical. Like, what she's going through. And I don't mean hysterical and like, like, oh, it's really funny, but hysterical in the sense that she just doesn't know. Just a complete roller coaster for her. I mean, how much time has passed? Do we think about five days? In the show, uh, yeah, probably not even that, right? It's difficult to tell because she doesn't go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I, I think I'd say less than a week has passed. Because she must have, she it must have, it was night when she set the car on fire. Was that the first evening? And then I think we have a couple of days, but then obviously Aoife Cassidy's funeral is must, if it's only less than a week, would have come very quick. So maybe we're looking at about two weeks. So not a lot of time to have gone from no information about your daughter to so much information not just about your daughter but about all these children like I think that laugh was actually pretty spot on yeah 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 <laughs> it was just I'm not saying it was good or bad it was just a thing yeah it was a vibe <laughs> yeah so my feeling now is that Carmen and Lorna will be joining forces now for these final two episodes we'll see them working together to try and uncover these secrets and find the truth do you think they're going to succeed? Well, what does success look like, do we think? Finding either their daughter or, or their mother. I would love that. I would love one reunion. I think both might be a bit much to ask for, but I'd love one. And what are the other mysteries? We still don't really know who killed Father Percy or who Father Percy called. So I think ultimately there's going to be some sort of reveal about the Sacred Shepherds and the sister of the seven joys, but it will come out that they were mother and baby laundry. And and I think possibly this Edrum group as well. Mm, and I wonder if that journalist that Ethel was going to talk to might emerge. We heard that from Olivia, right? We didn't hear that from anyone we can trust. Mm, okay. So I then. Think Olivia is part of the sacred shepherds posse. <laughs> or employed by them. And I'm hoping, as I said, that Lorna and Coleman bring the other, the gal pals in. Yeah. And Massey's got to come good. Massey's got to come good. If Massey doesn't come good, I'll be heartbroken. He's got to, right? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. I really am. Yeah, it's a phenomenal show. I, we will continue to recommend it. On our watch list episodes, we had our recent watch list episode come out on Love and Death, where we talked about all sorts of different shows and we've got specials on Ahsoka and Top Boy and coming soon we'll be doing Sex Education and Gen V as well so loads of stuff coming out this September 
If you want to let us know what you think of The Woman in the Wall or what you're watching or anything at all, you can contact us on the social media at TVDNAPod or you can email TVDNAPod at gmail.com. Thanks again, Grace. This has been brilliant. Oh, I've loved this. Yeah. Can't wait for the next two episodes. Great. So we'll be back in two weeks' time with the final two episodes of The Woman in the Wall. See ya. You know, she's agitated because Father Bumfluff, I assume, said, I can't believe that. Um, Father Bumfluff. Initially, David Blames, David Blaine, not David Blames, David Blames. But during that funeral procession, I can't speak today, we see a lot of missing Ether Cassidy posters. Put my teeth in. Cutting up Breeder's photo, photo, deflecting and fobbing him off and trying to persuade him that it's not the thing to do, the thing to do. Um, <laughs> I've it written in black, um, black capitals. So I'm worried. I don't, don't entirely trust him. And you've frozen. Adam. Hello, dear Adam. Are you there? No, he's gone. Uh, all right. I uh, guess I'll just... Um, I don't know, really. Just keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> Father Bumfluff, Earth to Father Bumfluff, are you there? No, he's frozen. He's gone. Hello. Hello. So sorry. <laughs> he disappeared. I know. I was. I thought my phone was charging, but it wasn't. It's okay. I was just saying some really insightful things about systemic abuse. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I just heard the word tendrils, or half the word tendrils. <laughs> I it. I he didn't miss much. I don't know. I mean, the Zoom might have caught it all. Oh, but you'll have a lovely treat then, won't you? <laughs> but we were talking about Father Edrum, right? No, not Father Edrum. The Edrum guy. James Coyle. The horseman? No. The guy, the charity man. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were talking about how we weren't sure we could trust him. Oh, my doorbell's gone again. This keeps oh happening goodness. recording. In a row. I know. Let me, let me see what's going on. Okay. See if it's Coleman. Um, it wasn't Coleman, it was Amazon. Ah, close. But other, other order delivery services are available. <laughs> <laughs>